Our emotions are designed, they're designed to inform us, not to direct us. There is no number you're ever going to get to that is going to heal whatever is going on inside of you. I think defining what it means to be a man is not possible. And, and when I say I don't think it's possible, I think I mean on a mass scale of agreement throughout societies. Oftentimes, anger is simply sadness masked. Because I feel like you never really stop growing. And if you have stopped growing, like you're already dead in the water. You know, stagnation is synonymous to death. You are now embarking on the imperfect experience. Hello, 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 imperfect listeners. It's your host, Luke West, back with the last episode of the year. And this is the show where we talk about masculinity and manhood more intentionally and purposefully. Um, What I want to do on this episode is make it short and sweet talk about some of the things that happened in 2020, both from a personal level and from a podcast level. Um, I also, in my Facebook group, which is linked in the description below, uh, asked for questions from some of my fans and audience about an AMA and asking any questions that they might have as we go into the new year. Um, And then I also wanted to talk about the books that impacted me most in 2020 and what my goals are for 2021 in the podcasting sense. Um, So if you enjoyed the episode at all this year or enjoyed this podcast, um, it would mean the world if you gave me that uh, 30 seconds to press the follow button, subscribe button, or leave a review. Um, It's been a long, hectic year. I am very proud of myself for sticking through this throughout COVID. Um, It gave me something to do, which has been really nice. Uh, Very happy with all the people I've met. Um, And it would just mean a lot to me if, if you gave a review and uh, follow and subscribe for uh, that, all the work I've put in this year. Um, So without further ado, uh, the most listened to episode this year was with Eric Everhard, the porn star. Um, What I learned this year is that porn is a really good, interesting topic that I think a lot of people want to hear about, whether it's from a porn star's perspective or from episode 56. Five, I think it was with Josh Shea, Joshua Shea, um, where we talked about porn addiction. I got a lot of messages and uh, listeners on that one as well. In terms of the topics covered on this show, we talked about rape, gendered violence, fatherhood, uh, porn, gay marriage, um, gender roles in a gay marriage, gender roles in a in a heterosexual marriage. Um, Dating from a man's perspective, dating from a woman's perspective, dating from an entrepreneur's perspective, emotional intelligence, traditional masculinity, toxic masculinity, feminism, affairs, alcohol abuse, body image, accountability, family and mentorship, and much, much more. All this to say, I think my opinions and thoughts on a lot of these different topics is even more um, unaware of what I started off with. You know, it's, it's, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and you don't really know what you know, and you, whatever that quote is, I forget the entire quote, um, but I learned a lot about what I didn't know. And and I, I think as I've gone on this journey, uh, when people ask me what masculinity is, I still don't really know the answer. If anything, I know it less than I used to. Um, and I don't really have a definition for it. I think it's unique to me. I think it's unique to the next person. I think it's unique to the next man. And um, I think that's what's something that's so special about it. And, and one of the problems with it and what we're doing in society right now is we try to put labels, all these different labels, all these different associations to it that I think are unfair and unjustified. 
Um, so that is some of the topics that we covered in 2020. Uh, from a listener perspective, you know, I think it took me eight months to get 2,000 listens. From a growth perspective, we have 3,000 listens just in the last five months. Um, so that's exciting from a really growth perspective. You know, I look at the analytics almost every day. Um, and on a day-to-day basis, it's really hard to see that growth and, and really think I'm making an impact. But if I look at it month over month, how my my listeners have gone up and uh, from where I was last year, it has definitely gone up and stayed consistent. And obviously that's with a lot of different uh, accessibility now. If you have more episodes, it's easier to find. So I don't really attribute a lot to the analytics and I don't really care. It's not something I measure all the time because I want this to be what I want to do. I don't want to be motivated by external factors, although those external factors um, like outside appreciation and fandom and followers allows me to get people that I do look up to as mentors or experts in this field. So that's why I try to attract those. So in terms of growth, I you know, thank you for everyone that's tuned in and listened in this this entire year. I think it's amazing. Um, the messages I've received, the listeners, or sorry, the past guests that I've had on that have stayed on as listeners because they think it's really fascinating. Uh, the conversations that I'm having, they become avid listeners. So that's really cool that my, my uh, guests become fans. That is something that I think is really interesting to me. Um, you know, from a personal perspective in 2020, it was the hardest year of my life. Uh, That is without a doubt. Um, Beginning of COVID, I think I alluded to in in some other episodes was the hardest time of my life from a loneliness perspective. And I finally was able to admit that to my parents really for, in a really raw way, I would say uh, just this past week or or two weeks ago. Um, Because it is really lonely. Um, as someone who used to be out and about every day, um, in Toronto going for patios or seeing friends four or five times a week, weekends, I'd hang out with the guys to now maybe seeing people once or twice a month, um, in small groups where you have to socially distance as a, someone who's a quality time, physical touch person. Um, that's how I seem to, like being loved or, or shown friendship that has been really hard for me. And, and I've had to journal a lot. I've had to reflect a lot on a lot of those things. And, um, it's been a really challenging year in that, that space from a career perspective, it's been really good. Um, but you know, I, that's never where I've been looking for fulfillment in my career. Uh, so a lot of it comes from external and, and I've read all these self-help books or at least these psychology books and um, books to get me more engaged in the day-to-day life, build better habits. And I'm using a lot of that, that knowledge to shift into 2021. Uh, I'm creating 21 contracts or 21 goals for myself, which are going to be combined with contracts. Um, and I'm going to assign that contract or goal with a, with a friend who I think is, is amazing for that goal. So example, one would be fitness and, and, uh, working out, I would attribute or get a friend who worked out at a consistent level to be my accountability partner in that field. If it's someone who is, if it's a podcasting goal, I'll get a podcasting friend to align with that goal and that, that perspective. So, um, 
2021, I'm, I'm looking really to be a really transformative year. I have some big ideas. Uh, I know that something will come in the middle of it that's going to shock a lot of people. I am set on it. It's something I'm going to do. Um, and I'm really excited about that. It's not really with the podcast, but it might affect the podcast. Um, that brings me to the 2021. So for the conversation about, uh, I've already recorded, I think until February, um, next week I'm taking off. So there'll be no episode between Christmas and new year's, uh, with Christmas being on a Friday and, and I just want a week off as I've, I've earned it. I'm giving myself that time. Um, so topics that I've covered in 2021 include dating from a psychological level. I've, I've had, a a gentleman who's written a book uh, about being nice, uh, being a nice guy and how that's not always successful in getting what you want in the, in the dating world. So I, I have a really interesting conversation with him. Um, I also have an episode that will be coming out about domestic violence in the home, um, about machismo culture. I in- interviewed a, uh, Latina and a Latino. So, uh, two people from like the Spanish, uh, machismo culture, one being a woman, uh, one being a man that I'm really excited about and, and one being a homosexual man on, on top of that. I also have an episode with a army vet who has PTSD. I'm very excited about that episode. It's a really interesting conversation about how we went through and navigated all that from a from a manliness perspective, and uh, and much more. That's what I'm excited to to do in the next um, couple coming months. So that's what to expect. From a goals perspective, uh, I want to create a lot more tangible content. You know, for me, I'm I've kind of moved beyond some of the uh, maybe gender roles, toxic masculinity, does it, does it not exist conversation. And I really want to talk about uh, more tangible things that men can do and women can do. Um, women can do to better their relationships with men. Men can do to better relationships with their women and with themselves and with their family um, and, and really create a lot more conversation around that. Uh, less about the maybe more social science of it and really a little bit more about the tangible aspect. That's where I've seen a shift in my life um, to seeing I want much more guideline. I want much more direction in that sense. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've moved beyond, I think, for the time being, not that I won't return to it in the future. These conversations of what are gender roles? What does it look like? Uh, I think that's just something that for me – I've, I've done a lot of in this past year and I want to move to that more tangible aspect in terms of growth, you know, for the Facebook group, that's something I've started. We're at 40, I believe, uh, members right now. I really want to scale that up in the new year to include a lot more people, a lot more fans, build an audience that way. I want to start a newsletter where I share things that I'm reading in books. I want to share other past guests, content, our articles that I'm reading about this type of topic, um, things beyond just this topic. So that's something I'm really excited to build out. There'll be links in the future um, in the description of the podcast to sign up for those newsletters to your email. Um, and then I just want to continue just just the tip episodes. I know I've been in and out with those a lot this year. I do like them. I enjoy them. I think they help me a lot with my thought process and remembering of past episodes and allow me to do a little bit more of what we're doing right now, which is speak from the heart, speak from um, what I think I'm I'm perceiving the world to be. So that's what I'm really excited about. Um, and then in terms of the top books I read this year that really influenced a lot of the way I'm I'm thinking right now are, are Know My Name 
by Chanel Miller. I think that's a fantastic book. Um, I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, especially with um, Amanda Webster and, and maybe a couple of others. Like I, I definitely don't remember all of them, but I think it's a mandatory reading or should be a mandatory reading for every young man who is trying to understand rape culture and how that can affect women from a judicial standpoint. It goes into really explicit detail about the whole process, how that works, and and should build a lot of sympathy and empathy in that way. And and just how your day-to-day behavior, whether it's catcalling women on the street or even just not making them feel safe in certain environments, um, that's a really great book to understand what that is like for them uh, and how you can create a better world for them. Uh, another one was, uh, think, uh, no, oh, think like a monk. There we go. I I can read my writing now by Jay Shetty. That was a fantastic book about really, it's a lot of breathing exercises, meditation exercises, which I don't really do. Um, but it did help me clarify a lot of the direction that I want to go or see people and my purpose in a different way. I think that was a, a really good book. I did have never not always liked his videos that seem really extra philosophical and kind of corny. Um, but I did really like his book. Him and him and word form, or at least writing form, seemed to come out a lot better to me as an individual. Another great book was Coddling of the American Mind, talks about um, words as violence and and does that exist? How does that exist? Um, and really taking a lot of the university examples that have happened throughout the past five years in terms of riots and uprising and, and protests and analyzes them from really, uh, I think, good levels of of thought how academia is going and how there seems to be less balance between conservative and liberal um, thought processes. I know that when we think of conservative thought process, a lot of the times we think um, homosexual and, um, or at least homophobic, transphobic and all those things. But a lot of it also is economical. And and a lot of those thought processes have shifted to not existing because anyone who is deemed as right-wing in the academia world is uh, kind of not allowed to speak their mind on those things because they're deemed as being homophobic or transphobic in a lot of different ways, which they might be, I don't know. Um, but that's just, it, it does talk about the balance between having those, those differencing opinions and, and it really goes into detail of it. And, but it also does not let those, um, alt-right far right thoughts off the hook. It, it, it does a really good job. I think of, of bringing balance to the conversation about how academia needs to change or, or, or be altered um, and the impact that helicopter parents can have. Cause that's one of the biggest impacts that um, can harm students as they get into adolescence is if they've always been protected by their parents and never really given time to develop thoughts on their own or, or live on their own or, anything like that, it it creates really hectic environments that they always seem to be, or they always feel they have to be protected in um, when that's just not the case. So that's a really good book too. Raise Your Game by Alan Stein, past guest, episode 33, I want to say, 32, 33, 34, somewhere in there. Um, Really good book about performance coaching. He's worked with people like Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, some of the top NBA stars in the world and interviewed some, some great basketball minds about leadership and, and performance. So that's another fantastic book. He's also a really, really nice guy. If you listen to episode, whatever episode he's on, 
and then listen to his book. I think it helps a lot with coming across less aggressive um, because the, the book definitely would come across more aggressive if I didn't know him as an individual. Um, and then obviously uh, another one was For the Love of Men. That was a fantastic book. Helped me shape and, and find a lot of these themes that I wanted to ask on this podcast questions that I want to help frame, give me a little bit more insight into those conversations and those dynamics. So those were the top five books I think I read this year. I'm reading a few more right now, Tribe of Mentors, Quiet, um, the Obama book, A Promised Land, and a couple more. So those are, but those are my top five books of the year so far. Um, that is kind of it from a here, now, then perspective. I don't really know what 21, 2021 holds for me right now. I, I have some big visions for myself um, and high expectations of myself to build resiliency, consistency, patience, um, and a lot more self-improvement. So that is on the docket from a personal level, but I definitely wanted to end off this episode kind of doing an AMA. So um, I asked in my Facebook group chat, you know, random thoughts or ask me anything type thing. So one of the questions I got was uh, from Caleb. He's a good, good friend of mine from Laurier, a really good dancer, really interesting fellow. And he's always been into fashion. So um, this is what he said. One thing I find myself asking about is why fashion as an industry is seen as a female oriented directed activity when looks are so important for both sides of the spectrum. I'm, I'm assuming here that looks by looks, he means fashion looks. Um, and that's an interesting question for me. I'm not much of a fashionista. And when it comes to female oriented, I would say mainly the, the main aspect of that is females seem to dominate the clothing world and the marketing world. That's how it seems. It seems like a lot more of the fast fashion is directed towards them. A lot more of the high end dresses are, are geared towards them. You can only wear a dress once. That is how I would see it in the marketing sense. Um, I would also say that North America doesn't seem to have as high of a fashion presence here in than it does in Europe. I would say the fashion world is of really high importance and masculine in, in Europe. And in North America, just doesn't have that same uh, framework. Now, um, you know, I think that with the amount of turnover of a woman's closet, because they can only wear things once, that means that men don't need to be directed to as much. Um, you know, for myself, I don't really look at other men wearing my shirt or, or on websites as a sign that I need to buy it. That's never been a thing. Like we don't really have those icons as much. You know, if, if I think of any, it's like Johnny Depp and maybe some of the British guys in Hollywood that are seen for their good fashion. When in, in Hollywood, women are seen almost every single woman, it seems is, is seen for their, for their, drip or their fashion. Um, fashion is much more streetwear on the male side. It comes from hip hop culture, not from Hollywood. Whereas women, it comes from everywhere. Now in the fashion industry, you know, I think it's interesting when you think of like Tommy Hilfiger, I think Hugo Boss, like a lot of the top Tom Ford, a lot of these top fashion icons are men typically seen as feminine men. I'm not sure why they're seen as feminine. I know a lot of them are probably, uh, or not, I shouldn't assume, but I think quite a few of them are in the LGBTQ community, which probably doesn't 
help it from like a seeing it as feminine perspective or seeing it as feminine. Um, but it's also like how I would say cooking is seen as a, uh, really feminine thing in the home, but on a wide scale chef type thing, it's, it's very masculine. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on, on the past episode with, with Mike Iamelli and, and he was like, it comes down to power. And I would say the same thing. You know, I think a lot of fashion in the world is designed by men that goes from someone who doesn't really know much about fashion, but I think it is an interesting question that I'd like to throw it to you. You know, why do you think fashion is seen as a female oriented directed activity um, when, when fashion is, is needed for both men and women, I gave my thing. I think it is more from the consumer focus perspective of women's closets seem to turn over faster. There's a lot more arguments that women can't wear the same things twice. I've never seen that from a guy. I wear the same sweaters over and over again. I don't have much in my closet. Um, so I think that would be more where it comes down to is, is the marketing behind a lot of it. Um, that's the one question I got from the Facebook group. And then I also got these cards from next gen men, which uh, I had Jake Sticka, who's the executive director of, of next gen men uh, on my episode a couple, uh, I think it's two months ago now. And they have these cards against, or cards for masculinity, which basically is cards against humanity, but in, in ask questions about, um, prompting thought, thoughtful prompting questions about masculinity. So, so I thought I'd, I'd, I just got these in the mail yesterday. So I thought I'd share myself or ask myself two of these, um, to close off this year. Um, who is a female role model for you and why do you look up to her? I would say my mom is definitely a female role model for me. Um, without a doubt for me, it's, it's, she's strong, independent, capable of doing everything on her own. Um, and yet she chooses to be with my dad, you know, I think, but she stands up to my dad. She is very strong willed for me. I've always been around strong women, women who, um, know what they want, decide what they want and communicate what they want. That is my mom. That is my sisters. And I see that spiraling down to them. That is what I look up to or not. So what I kind of look for in a, in a future partner too, is, is a lot of those same, behaviors and and personality traits. So, you know, I've never seen women as weak when it comes to, you know, all this these these stereotypes about Asian women too being weak. I mean, like, I don't know. I've all of my friends' moms, I'm terrified of them. So that is not what I see in my life. Um, you know, I think for that reason I I do see my mom as a real important person. I see her struggle openly with a lot of things, both as how she should approach her children as a mother, um, with her family, you know, she's never been one to shy away from a lot of those things. And I've seen her grow a lot in the last 10, 15 years as the mother of four, as the youngest one, as someone who maybe didn't get the same treatment as the other kids because they were older and got it earlier. And I saw how that changed and and really affected me and why it changed. I've always been pretty observant of that. Um, so with my mom, I would say one, it's because she's strong-willed Two, it's because she's always been very open with us, uh, about feeling. She's never said like, you know, boys will be boys or boys can't cry or anything like that. She did kind of say what I remember being younger was, why are you so sensitive? But, you know, I don't hold that against her. Um, and that's never really affected me to this day. But um, definitely my mom would be my number one female role model. And that would be why I look up to her. Um, what would you tell your younger self about how to be a man? Hmm. It's a good one. 
Um, I am pretty young myself now. For me, I would say stand up uh, and listen to your heart. Now, I know that sounds crazy. For me, I've had times where I remember shaking, like my entire body shaking. Um, whether it's in class, whether it's in a leadership moment, whether it's in a hard time of my heart being like just pounding out of my chest and was, was basically a message to me saying, you know, if you don't say this now, you never will. Um, and it, it's like this weight on my heart. It's always been this like weight on my heart. And I remember that all the time. So one would be listen to your heart and two would be lead with vulnerability. And I think I, I've done that since I was a Don at university. I think I've always led with, with vulnerability. Um, it was really the first time I would say that I was a leader. Um, but, you know, definitely lead with vulnerability, lead with authenticity and people will follow. And then how to be a man. I, I struggled a lot in high school coming out of being homeschooled as someone who warped my personality according to the people that um, I was around. I, I always wanted to seek approval. I always wanted to um, get attention. I, I was kind of a attention craver as a kid and probably am still now if I, if I think about it and want to ad and admit it to myself, even though it's something I don't want to admit. Um, but those would be the, the, the real key things. And then just don't warp yourself. You know, I think when you change yourself to fit what other people expect or want of you, that doesn't affect, doesn't help you in the long run. And I found that as I've come to accept more fully who I am with friends like Gautham and other guys that I've surrounded myself with who have always been like that, it's helped me to be like that. I mean, my dad has always been the kind of guy that he is. He hasn't, from what I've seen, doesn't typically change who he is according to a lot of people um, or who he surrounds himself with. And that would be probably the three things I, I tell myself or tell the man I am how to be a man. So um, trust your heart, lead with auth authenticity and, and vulnerability, and then always be yourself and, and never try to change who you are to appease other people. So those are the three questions I wanted to, to answer. Um, I hope to do kind of more of these cards in the future, probably ask them of my guests um, as, as thought provoking intro questions and maybe play around with that. Um, but yeah, if, if you enjoyed anything this year, please let me know, reach out on Instagram at the imperfect pod, shoot me an email, Luke at the imperfect pod.com join the Facebook group link in the description below. And that is 2020. I really thank you so much for being here with me throughout the entire year. 2021 is looking up to be a good year for me. I think I'm really excited for it. Um, it's been a heck of a year emotionally, growing-wise, um, career-wise, expectation-wise, self-improvement-wise, and I hope to be better in 2021. That is it for this year. I can hope to continue to grow from a listening perspective, but also just from a um, personal perspective. You've got a little bit of insight into my brain, how it works, uh, and what I'm excited for in the next year and how I want to continue to grow with you. So that is it for today, um, the year. And thank you everyone again so much for being here. I really appreciate it, value it, love you. And I hope you have a 
wonderful holiday season, vacation days, get some rest, and gear up for what I hope to be a better 2021. Thank you all so much, and I'll see you next year.